Tigers snap it to Rosendahl. They blitz. He's back. Rosendahl pressured in trouble. Rolling to his right. Ball's out. Ball's fumbled. They dive on it inside the 10. And Eastern Illinois recovered. The Panthers came up and knocked it away from behind. And up with the football is Cornelius Page for the Panthers. They'll have it first and goal at the 8-yard line. Welcome to this week's edition of EIU Panthers Podcast. I'm your host, Rich Moser. On today's program, we take a walk down memory lane with former EIU men's basketball player Paul Nydick. Paul played for the Panthers in the early 1980s, matching up in practice every day against future NBA All-Star Kevin Duckworth. Recently, Nydig was named the commissioner of the Indiana High School Sports Association. So we talk about hoops at a variety of levels on Episode 5 of EIU Panthers Podcast. This week's edition of EIU Panthers Podcast is brought to you by our Panther Sports Properties Partner and Restaurant of the Week, Deep Holtz Auto, and EIU Housing and Dining. Default's Auto was named a Buick Dealer of the Year. With locations in Charleston and Paris, if it doesn't have a Default sticker on it, you probably paid too much. With classes back in session at Eastern Illinois, the IU Food Court is now open with great options including Chick-fil-A, Subway, and Freshetta Pizza. The IU Food Court located in the MLK Union. In EIU Panthers news this week, check out our weekly Catching Up feature as we talk to current softball player Kendall McHugh on Friday. This week's Top 5 Tuesday features the top women's cross-country finishers at conference championships, and EIU Athletics sends out its condolences to the family of former EIU basketball great Tom Katsipoulos, who passed away. Katsipoulos was the Panthers' first All-American and NBA draft pick. He was selected to both the EIU and the NAIA Athletic Hall of Fame and was named to the Panthers' all-century basketball team. Tom Katsipoulos was 91. For the latest information on EIU Athletics, visit us on the web at eiupanthers.com or on Twitter at EIU underscore Panthers. Now to this week's EIU Panthers podcast with former EIU men's basketball player, Paul Nydig. And welcome to another edition of EIU Panthers podcast. We're joined today by Paul Nydig, a former EIU men's basketball player who is now the director of the Indiana High School Association. And Paul, congratulations on, on that position. That'll be one of the things, a couple things we talk about today. Well, thank you very much. It's uh, certainly, man, EIU, when you shot me an email, brings back some great memories of that town and that uh, school. Well, we're always glad to hear that. And I will tell you how a um, little bit of guilty overreading or, or quick reading of emails here. Dave Kidwell, who we, we talked about before we, we jumped on our program here, former longtime media relations director here, he shot me your name and email. And when I read it at first, I read it as director of Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame. And that and I I was really excited about that because that that's some great tradition. I went back and read it and I'm like, this position is probably even more important being the, the director of the, the high school association. But I, I will tell you that I was going to pick your brain about some of the, you being an Indiana native and, you know, basketball kind of being king in that state, you know, that would have been a cool job to have as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, I was fortunate enough when I came here to the association that the, the boys basketball tournament and, and oversight of the day-to-day operations of boys basketball in the state is part of my responsibility and it still remains my responsibility today. And it's amazing. And I, loving high school basketball um, the way we do here. And, and Illinois loves their high school basketball too. 
I'm not going to take anything away from them, but it, it's just special here. And the biggest thing I was told by my predecessor was don't mess it up. He said, this has got a lot of history and has done well for a lot of years. And don't you have your name on someone uh, who messes it up, but getting around the state to see, and I call them cathedrals because we've got some incredible facilities that kids play in and, and basketball is certainly, certainly a lot of fun here. Now I know that we'll, we'll back up a little bit kind of um, as part of the COVID part here. I know some states were able to get in their high school basketball tournaments. Others weren't. I think Illinois timeline wise was fortunate. I think they actually maybe played the, the two bigger classes as the NCAAs were starting to shut down. And I, I believe they played the state championship and maybe in front of moms and dads only. Were, were you guys fortunate to get your state championship complete or did you have to kind of leave it unsettled this year? It was unsettled. We uh, got through the first round of our tournament, which in Indiana is called the sectional round. Uh, got that completed and we were on a Friday getting ready to head into the next round. And then uh, school started canceling. They pulling teams off the floor and and it just became apparent that we weren't going to be able to continue and contest our tournament to the end. And we held out hope that we could, uh, we kept pushing it off and pushing it off until it just became apparent that that wasn't going to happen. And then, you know, obviously, ultimately, we lost our spring season too. Now, I, I, I'm not 100% sure on this, but I know the, my recollection of high school basketball, and I think probably the anybody that's not from the state of Indiana comes from the movie Hoosiers where they used to play the, the state championship at, at Hinkle Fieldhouse there in Butler. Is, is that still the case or do you guys, there are, I think the state of Indiana maybe has 10 of the biggest or eight of the, of the top 10 biggest gyms for, for high school basketball in the country, if I'm not mistaken. And it does. And that's, you know, and they still argue over that a little <laughs> bit, by the way, here in Indiana. Uh, matter of fact, one of our schools, uh, lost the crown, Newcastle Fieldhouse, and they added a few more bleachers just so they could <laughs> regain the crowd here recently. But um, we actually play our tournament down at uh, – we have a great partner with the Indiana Pacers. And okay. um, at Banker's Life Fieldhouse, um, they uh, host our boys and girls basketball tournament every year. Uh, Fever and the Pacers are our primary sponsors of those tournaments. And, and – I tell you, that's an incredible venue to contest the state championship, and, and we're fortunate to be able to use it in Indiana. Now, this position, you came on, you were named to this position during the, the pandemic, I think, in, in maybe May, and then you actually started, I think, officially took over maybe around August 1st. So, I'll congratulate you on the, the appointment, then the, the official start, and, and I can't think of a a more trying time for a, a person to take over leadership of an organization, especially when you talk about everything that's going on around sports right now. It's been tough and I've got a lot of congratulations, but I've certainly got my share of condolences due to COVID, but you know, uh, we take a little different approach and this is not something that any of us did. Our kids didn't do it. Our schools didn't do it. Uh, the state association didn't do it. It's, it's been, a, it's just a deck of cards. It's a hand we've been dealt. And I think, at this point, we have to manage through it. We've got to lead through it, and we've got to make great decisions for high school kids uh, because being back in touch and being back in their schools, uh, being back in touch with their coaches, the social-emotional health of a student-athlete that can be in school, can be playing sports, is probably just as important as uh, looking at the negative effects of COVID, and that's what we tried to do here. Now, I know in Illinois they, they were able to – 
work through and able to still have sports right now. I think I think high school golf has actually been out playing right now. They moved what they consider some more of the, I guess, high risk. I don't, I don't even know the proper terminologies. I've seen it different at, at different places to later in the spring, hoping that there, you know, some things will change. Did you guys take a similar approach in Indiana or have you kind of left your, your sports calendar the way they naturally fall? We at this point have left our sports calendar alone. Uh, we have a very, our governor has been very supportive of getting back in school and getting back to playing. And, uh, you know, every state has a different set of parameters. Every county has a different set of parameters they need to follow. And, and at this point, you know, we returned to sport uh, in all of our fall programming last week. Uh, and this Friday night, tomorrow night, we turn the Friday night lights on and we start our high school football season. And we just looked a little bit ago. It looks like about 90 or about, uh, 90% of our schools are ready to play. They don't have any COVID issues uh, within their schools, and, and they're going to compete this Friday night like they have every other year. Oh, that, that's great news. I'm sure that, that will not sit well with people right across the border. And, and I know every state's approaching this differently, and everybody has has different circumstances where, where their states are. And it's I don't envy you at, at all for having to make these types of decisions right now. No, and like I say, it's it, it, it just because it works here doesn't mean it works everywhere, and everybody has to make a decision that works for their community and for their state. Now, you were you, you took over just as the Indiana High School commissioner just in the, in the past couple months being named and then officially taking the role then, but you've been with the association for a number of years, but also have a long history as, as an administrator. I know you were a, a long-time athletic director and coach down in the Evansville area, and this kind of just became maybe a natural transition for you? It has been. Um, you know, I've been fortunate in my education career. Uh, you know, I knew early on that I wanted to be a teacher, and Eastern Illinois certainly did a, an incredible job of preparing me to be able to do that. And I was able to teach and coach, and then eventually I moved into administration. Uh, I became a high school athletic director, and then eventually uh, I was the district athletic director for the Evansville Vanderbilt School Corporation. And when I finished my tenure there, I was chief of staff for Dr. David Smith, the superintendent. And I've had a lot, I was just fortunate enough to, to have a lot of great experiences. I have a few buddies that say I screwed up often enough. They had to keep moving into a different job. But, uh, you know, it, I think it did prepare me to do this. Um, you know, I also served this association as a board member. I think it was for 14 years and then was fortunate enough to come on staff here uh, three years ago and then uh, learned a lot under Commissioner Cox and, and, you know, the board saw fit to give me my turn at the helm here and, and hopefully um, they'll continue to, to be happy about that decision in the future. We're certainly going to work hard at it. We're joined right now. We're on the EIU Panthers podcast. We're joined right now by Paul Nydig, a former EIU men's basketball player, currently the commissioner of the Indiana High School Basketball so or High School Association, and a former basketball player in the state of Indiana. Indiana, you are from Poseyville, if I have that correctly. And for people, it's a small little town. I had to look it up, and then I don't realize that how many times I probably have passed the exit. It's just across the border in Indiana from Illinois when you're going towards Evansville on I-64 and more people when we, when they, I tell them that will probably realize they've driven by your hometown than they realize. Yeah, it's right off the interstate there. And I always uh, grew up in a small town and it, we learned to be home when the streetlights came on and, 
do everything right because the neighborhood was going to raise you. And I was fortunate to have that upbringing. And, but Coach Samuels took me away from the little town for a while and it made me grow up. And I certainly am indebted for that also. Now, when you, you would have played high school basketball, Indiana was one of the, the last states, not the last state. I think Kentucky is still a single class system for, for, bas for high school basketball. But Indiana, when you would have been coming up, it would have been a one class system like Illinois was for a long time. And, and you talk about how big of a deal basketball is. That, that right there is probably puts it in a nutshell. It was. I mean, I grew up in a one-class system, and, and I can still remember we played in a, a community gym at the Princeton, Indiana, and tickets were hard to come by, and people were packed to the rafters, and, and there were lines outside the door to buy the tickets of the team that got beat so they could come to the next game. And, you know, it was a lot of fun. And, you know, but things change, and schools change, and times change, and you know, it would be nice if we could go back to a one-class system, but with uh, the discrepancy in the size of schools now. In Indiana, we have high schools that are over 5,000, uh, and we have schools that are still under 100. And to put that those kids in the same tournament today, it just doesn't make sense. Um, but the heyday of the single-class system in Indiana, there were over 700 member schools. Uh, and today we are, we serve about 420 member schools. So it's just a different day and age. And I think that's one of those things that, that always makes, like, we'll go back to the movie Hoosiers. For people that have seen it, they don't, I don't think everybody knows that it's, it's based on a real life story. Now the, the people in the exact years and the names are changed a little bit, but that kind of encapsulates what you talked about there about, you know, 700 schools. There still was some size differentiation back then. So a small school like that to not only make it that far into state, but to win state was kind of almost unheard of. It was, but you know, it, 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 it even became more unheard of as time went on and large schools were dominating and, and the chance for small schools to get back there was, it was just, it just wasn't happening any longer, but it certainly was a dream. And, you know, watching that movie Hoosiers and, and, and fortunately in my career, I've been able to, I got to know several people who are actually on that team. Wow. And, uh, you know, they're great individuals. They still live uh, in the Indianapolis area here and, and still have fond, fond memories of, of playing for Milan High School. Now you talk about the, that Coach Samuels, Rick Samuels, a Hall of Fame basketball coach here at Eastern Illinois, he was able to, to swoop you up and make you come to the big town of Charleston from, from Poseyville. And, you would have played here in the early 1980s, and you played as EIU was transitioning into the Division One era, and right at the start of, and I don't even know if it was called the Midcon Conference then, it may have just kind of gotten that name, but as that, that league was kind of becoming a, a fledgling Division One league, what are some of those early memories you have of kind of becoming a player here at Eastern Illinois? Well, you know, it, it took me a year to figure out what I was doing there, and uh, Coach Samuels was patient with me, and and but you know by the time I was playing as a sophomore there, I was able to contribute to the team, and you know I remember a lot of bus rides. I mean we had a lot of bus rides and a lot of Uno games with the teammates on that bus, and and occasionally we would fly out of Charleston Airport. Uh, at that time we would take three planes, I believe, to oh, wow. get the whole team on and go different places. But um, you know the Mid Continent Conference was very 
it was very competitive at the time, you know, with, um, you know, Cleveland State was in the conference when I played in it. And, um, you know, Illinois Chicago was in the conference and Northern Iowa was in the conference. And so we spent a lot of time on the road. And what was so special about that is not only were we teammates uh, in the gym, um, but we got to learn to be teammates on a bus and traveling together and, and spending that kind of time with each other. And, you know, I still see occasionally one of a couple of my teammates and, and it, it, the magic of it is time has never passed us. We can, we pick up right where we left off when we left that gym and in the eighties. And that's what's special about seeing those guys. Now you talk about some of those guys. I've had the the pleasure of meeting a, a couple of the guys you talked about, John Collins is a guy we, we happen to run into occasionally. He lives over in, in the St. Louis area now. And a number of years ago, we did the all-century team for basketball. And two of the guys you played with, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to touch on each one of them individually. I'll, st I'll start with John or both on that team. But John was over there, and he was a scorer. I guess kind of talk maybe a little bit about, about his game and what it was like to be out on the court with him. And that's it. John was a prolific scorer. When, when, you know, John drew the attention of the team's best defensive player and, and sometimes John got the double teams and, and John, he just needed a little bit of room. And if John got that sliver of room, he could put it in the hole. And John was, uh, he loved to play off the wing. I remember, you know, John was really a, a strong wing player and, and just a phenomenal uh, a score. We always tease John a little bit. We win a few more games. You guard somebody. Uh, <laughs> but honestly, John was, I and mean, that's just teasing. John was, a, he was really a pretty much all around player. And uh, I still communicate occasionally with John through uh, social media outlets and, and he's doing well. And I think he just had a, a, a daughter that came through that was quite the player, uh, maybe just graduated high school. And so John was also an incredible teammate. Um, John, I can never remember John having a, a crossword with one of his teammates. He was unselfish. He never expected the ball more than he was able to receive through offense. Um, you know, Coach Samuels now made sure that John got the ball because yeah. John <laughs> could put it in, and we certainly understood that. But, um, you know, again, great memories. John was uh, – he's probably one of the best all-around scorers the best all-around scorer that I've ever played, had the pleasure of playing with in high school. Just a natural at it. And then the other guy we'll talk about is probably the more famous of the two, but at, in college he was almost a project. And that's Kevin Duckworth, who went on and had a very successful long-time NBA career. I remember we interviewed Coach Samuels for that 100-year that thing, and he talked about Kevin Duckworth, and he told him, told whoever was recruiting, said, hey, we need a, we need a big guy. We need some size down in, in the post, and I know – Paul, you were a big guy as well. And Coach Samuel's quote was, Coach, I got a guy who's big, but he's really, really, really big. And I guess Kevin Duckworth was a big man as a center is what you were. You were, you got firsthand knowledge. You would have probably guarded him every day in practice, I'm guessing. Kevin and I were very <laughs> close in practice. <laughs> you know, we played together for three years, and uh, it was um, – I. I have fond memories of Kevin. You know, the one thing about Kevin, Kevin was a big man and he was difficult to guard and get around and, and you know, have some strategies defensively to guard him because he could also step out on the perimeter. And Kevin was – his hands were so soft. Uh, Kevin could catch anything. And 
And from that 15 to 20 foot range, he had a phenomenal release. It was high, you know, and, and, and Kevin could score not only from the low post, but he could step to the high post and score. And that was a, you know, that really helped Kevin achieve. One of the, the stories I like to tell best is as I was a sophomore, Kevin's first year, uh, Kevin was well over 300 pounds and not in very good shape. And um, I played close to 30 minutes a game when I was a sophomore and Kevin played about 10. And so we get through that year and Kevin got better and Kevin lost about 40 pounds going into the next year. And, and Paul played about 20 minutes a game and Kevin played about 20 minutes a game. And going into the next year, my senior year, Kevin's junior year, uh, Kevin lost another good bit of weight and Paul played about 10 minutes a game and Kevin played 30 minutes a game and coach Samuel started telling me, Paul, you need to run up and down the floor a little harder. So the guy's tired when Kevin goes back in the game, and, uh, he would probably deny that, but, uh, certainly understandable. Kevin went on and played a nice career in the NBA and I went on and taught high school. So we both had good careers, but, uh, nothing but fond memories of Kevin. Um, you know, I never saw Kevin do anything wrong. He always supported his teammates. Um, you know, occasionally you'd, as we'd get out there and probably do some things that Coach Samuels didn't know about and we weren't supposed to do, but Kevin was never one of those guys, I can tell you that. Now, you, you capped off your senior year. You guys ended up winning 20 games, and at the time, the MidCon didn't have an automatic bid to get into the NCAA tournament, 20 wins. In this era right now, probably gets you into one of these. There's a, to a host of tournaments, so there was no postseason. What are maybe some of those those top memories or a top game that you kind of remember from, from that senior year or from maybe any of the other years that you had here at Eastern? Well, you know, for me, it was anytime we had a chance to go play back in Evansville area. We played the University of Evansville, and we played the University of Southern Indiana and, and Southern Illinois and Murray State and – Playing those games in this Midwest region uh, were all – Ball State was another one. They were all just really special to me um, because, you know, those were all schools that I considered playing for. And, you know, it was – you know, why you wanted to win every game. But it was just something for me a little special when we got to play against those places and going back and playing in front of the home crowd. But, you know, I, that 20 and 10 is – it still sticks with you today as we were – you know, we knew we had – we didn't have a good shot to get into the tournament, you know, being a new conference and we didn't have a very good year the year before, but uh, we were hopeful and there was a lot of disappointment uh, that came our way when we didn't get that nod, but, you know, we still had a great career, great season. And, uh, you know, it was, it was, it was just fun. It was fun. Now we're being joined. We're on the EIU Panthers podcast. We're being joined by former EIU men's basketball player, Paul Nidig, currently the commissioner of the Indiana High School Association. And Paul, to, to do some research, I dug up one of the old media guides here, and they always do some. Dave did a personality profile back then, so I'm a, a few of them kind of stuck out to me. Oh, my. It had some – your hobbies and interests, woodworking and snowmobiling. Those may be two of the most different hobbies somebody could have, and I don't know if those are ones you just threw out there to see if somebody – 20 years plus afterwards would read that or no. you actually had those different hobbies at the time? Actually at the time we did. I, you know, my dad had a shop and one of the things I've always, and, it, and incidentally, this was Kevin Duckworth's passion was his hands. 
uh, Kevin loved to make things. And Kevin and I were in a lot of classes together at Eastern. And uh, we were, I was a technology education teacher, uh, trained there. And so being in a shop, taking things, uh, just a, a raw piece of wood and, and turning it into something is something that I've always enjoyed. I enjoyed it when I was in high school and I still enjoy it today uh, when I get an opportunity to do so. And snowmobiling was kind of my dad. And you think about a, a boy from Southern Indiana, what's he doing with the snowmobile? Um, but, you know, we had that late seventies, there was a blizzard of 78 that came through Southern Indiana. And, and my dad would always take trips to Michigan to snowmobile. And there were some years that and we had three of them at the house and, you know, my brother and I got the ride when we had snow and uh, it was just a lot of fun. So I can tell you, I haven't been on one since though. So <laughs> I guess it wasn't that big of a passion at that time. And then the other one he had on here and I, is has favorite, he separated male and female TV stars. I'll just, I won't, won't throw out who your favorite female star was at the time, but favorite male star would have been Burt Reynolds. So I guess maybe your fir- favorite Burt Reynolds role or movie. Well, you got to remember we had, uh, that was the smoking, the bandit days. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, you know, what was the, the movie that, um, say the longest the, yard about then the longest yard about then. And, uh, it was the movie where they were, um, no, I can't think of it right now, but, but Burt Reynolds was, a. I mean, he was a cool guy, you know, and, uh, that's kind of where that came from. And then I guess kind of the, the thing that we've, we've kind of asked people is during, quarantine a lot of people you get a lot of screen time unfortunately or fortunately depending on which way you look at it kind of a you got addicted to any like series or you kind of been more in a, a podcast book type mode and if so are you, what are you watching or what are you listening to or reading well I tell you lately uh, you know being a spend a lot of time in my car traveling uh, I've, I've kind of tried to catch up on everything Tony Dungy's done Okay. Um, and from his first book through the super through the Super Bowl, and and one of the things is just really that study of uh, how valuable a team is. And you know, Tony Dungy will tell you today if that if it wasn't a team in sync and fully supportive of each other as a team should be, Indianapolis would never had a Super Bowl brought here. And so, really trying to study him and and what his beliefs are, and and so that's kind of. Um, what my, my car time is consisted of. Um, you know, I'm always a sucker for the home improvement shows or the, you know, I always write, I want to learn something when I watch something along the way. It, uh, it, it's kind of the way I've always been with things. And then now, if I'm not mistaken, the, the high school association is, is based there in Indianapolis. Is that correct? It is. So it if, is. You're a, if you're a, I'm going to put you, put you, have you put on your, um, Convention Bureau's hat here for a second. What's the thing one or two must do or see things for people to do in Indianapolis if they're coming over? And, and I say that with people knowing that Charleston's just a, a short two-hour drive, maybe something that the, the tourists from here may be able to hit for a day. Well, first of all, the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame is certainly something pretty special over in Newcastle, Indiana, home of Steve Alford. Um, you know, it, it really is worth your time to see the history that they've collected there about Indiana basketball. And I tell you, there's a lot of things, the children's museum that's here in Indianapolis with the outdoor adventure they have now, it's, it's, it's always fresh. They're always turning things over and, and seeing things. And it's, it's really a, a great place to spend a day, especially from Charleston. 
Um, you know, that's about a two hour trip over here. It's pretty simple. Um, you know, and we're going to watch it on TV this weekend, but the spectacle in Indianapolis 500, uh, if you ever get a chance to come visit that track, just look at the size of it alone is, is worth seeing, even if you don't go there to a race and the, the hall of fame museum there is also just phenomenal. And so those are just a few of the things here, Indiana, uh, French lick is a great place to visit, um, play a little golf and, uh, it's just a nice relaxing getaway. And, and again, there's all kinds of um, just little hit hideaways here in the state that are just perfect places to get away. All right. Well, I appreciate your time, Paul. We've been visiting with uh, Paul Nydig, the commissioner of the Indiana High School Association here on EIU Panthers podcast. And appreciate you telling us some stories there, some, some great uh, names from the past there, and John Collins and Kevin Duckworth and Rick Samuels, the longtime Hall of Fame coach here at Eastern Illinois, and also what, what they've got going on in, in high school athletics in, in the state of Indiana. Glad that you guys are able to, to suit up and kind of keep a normal schedule, and hopefully everybody will be able to, to get through that in a safe manner throughout this academic year. We hope so. Kids need it. Kids need sport. Kids need school, and we need to be in person, and we're going to continue to work towards that. All right. Well, I appreciate your time, Paul, and thank you very much. Thank you very much. <laughs>